Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Hormone Helper podcast. I'm happy to have you guys back. And if you're new, my name is Christina Emily Campbell. I'm a registered holistic nutritionist and certified personal trainer. My private practice is primarily online and we help women overcome various health issues. Specifically, we specialize in natural hormone balancing and digestive health while leading you to results you can sustain. You can learn all about that at ChristinaEmilyWellness.com. But let's move on to the podcast episode for today. So today we have our very first registered dietitian on the podcast. Her name is Tara Lavelle. She currently works as a clinical dietitian in oncology and women's health at a hospital here in Charlotte. She'll happily share more about her own health issues that she faced and how she overcame them. Tara has learned that the road to wellness is often windy and is one that requires self-compassion and nourishment. Using a holistic approach to wellness, Tara works with clients to help them increase nutrition confidence and achieve optimal health. So let's welcome Tara. Hi, Tara. Hi, Christina. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, first of all, for being on the podcast with us today. And just to get going, can you tell us a little bit about your history and yourself? Yeah. So um, this is my second career. Nutrition is my second career. I actually got my undergraduate degree in international studies in Arabic. So I spent six months studying culture, Arabic, and political science at the University of Jordan in um, Amman, Jordan. Uh, So after I graduated, though, I started, I worked in, in DC, you know, where somebody that you know, usually would go after studying Middle Eastern politics. Mm -hmm. So I um, started working in DC and was volunteering a lot. I was leading this um, civic engagement project and it was focused on healthy living. So I would volunteer with a lot of farm to school programs. um, And I got to, I got to meet a lot of registered dietitians and I realized that I was pretty passionate about what they were doing in their mission. So I decided I wanted to go and study nutrition. Um, Before I did that, though, I wanted to make sure I was super serious about it just because going back to get my master's obviously was a lot of time and a lot of money, um, a big commitment. So I joined AmeriCorps and started working in health literacy in Charleston, South Carolina. And I was developing um, wellness programs for a certain uh, a population there that was living in a disadvantaged neighborhood. So it, it was incredible and I learned so much. But after that experience, I truly realized that nutrition, you know, is such an important tool for people to have in order to be them, their best selves. So I decided to embark on my master's degree. Um, and from that time until now, I've had a lot of opportunity in community nutrition. I worked in um, farm to school programs. I worked at food banks. I've done a lot of community work, um, but I ended up working in clinical where I am now in oncology. So it's been a long journey, a long road, but I, I truly think that everything I did along my path, even though I might not have realized it at the time, truly did lead me to where I am now. That's awesome. You have such a 
an in-depth cultural background in terms of the nutrition and different cultures and everything. Is there anything from that, from aside from like the cultures, but also the different age populations and projects that you've done that really stand out or any similarities that you've noticed across those that can kind of apply to people today here? Um, so like in the Middle East or in America? Mm. I was going to say both, but let's stick with America since that's primarily our listeners today. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, I learned so much from working in that space. I, I think it's, you know, it has a lot to do with access, of course, um, and education. And I learned that I, I couldn't just tell somebody broccoli was good for them without giving them the broccoli to eat. You know, it, it was a big game changer for me when, um, I started to learn more about access to healthy food. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, education is obviously a really important component, but as I said before, you can tell someone to do something, but they won't be able to do it unless you give them the tools and the access to do so. So I think that's, um, I learned a lot about that when I was working with the community. And I know that you're very holistic in your approach, approach as am I. And in terms of that, kind of like how you're saying, you want to give them the resources or try to direct them to those resources in terms of holistic and wellness and all of that, how do you coach clients to adapt to that kind of lifestyle and understanding that to achieve optimal health, you have to embark and embrace, you know, all aspects of health? Yeah. So I think um, a big component of that is helping people understand that there really is no magic bullet approach to wellness. It takes multiple different elements, whether it be stress, exercise, relationships, and nutrition, all of that plays into your wellness as a whole human. Um, I think it can get really confusing because there's so much information out there about the best weight loss diet, the best supplement to take, this or that. And people can get really discouraged when it's like, you know, it's pretty sobering when you realize you can't just take something to feel good. You have to, you have to work at it and you may have to, um, you know, take time for it to, to occur. It's a process and it's a, it, there's ups and downs during that process. It's really dynamic. So I think I, I really appreciate when I can ground someone in that and they can realize like, okay, this is a journey and it's not going to be one thing that's going to help fix. And I say that in quotes, everything, if that makes sense. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yes, you nailed it. Yes, exactly. Can you actually just open up a little bit about your own personal health just so people can understand like how you had your own health issues and how you you know you open up resources for yourself to get better and um and again it was just a very wholesome approach and that you're also a yoga instructor and you know that stuff yeah of course so um when i was about 15 i was not feeling so well my i remember my mom telling me that it 
it looked like I was three months pregnant because I was just eating foods that were just so inflammatory to my body. You know, every body is different. And it was really stressful because I used to go and see everyone eating pizza and cookies and drinking Snapple, you know, like all these things that I wanted to engage with because I didn't realize how important nutrition was at 15. I don't think most people in high school, I mean, I know I wasn't really focused on what I was eating. I was kind of forced to because I did not feel well. So my mom, I I was very lucky that my mom um, actually studied holistic health and Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine. So she was knowledgeable enough to be like, hmm, okay, let's try like tweaking your diet a little bit and see what happens. And the drastic shift that occurred, not only in my physical appearance, but my mood, my ability to pay attention, my emotions, it was like insane how just switching around my diet and nourishing my body just totally transformed my quality of life. And I didn't even realize how impacted that was. Um, I don't know if I knew it then, but nutrition was already kind of like, you know, poking me being like, Hey, Hey, you know, this is important. And you're obviously connecting with it. So fast forward, I don't know, like 10 years. Um, I was, you know, I have, yes, that's, that's kind of the, the name of the game for me. Um, and as we know, IBS does not just impact how you feel physically, but it can also be, there can be an emotional component to it as well. So keeping my stress levels low, my anxiety low has been an integral component of keeping me grounded and, um, keeping me healthy. So I started practicing yoga about 10 years ago, and I, again, didn't realize it then, but it was playing such a huge part in my ability to balance my nervous system. And I just think all these things along my path have literally showed me how important whole body wellness is. It's not like I read about it or watched a documentary about it. Like I literally lived it. And now it, it makes it really easy for me to encourage others to take that whole body approach as well, just because I have that like visceral connection to it. Yeah. It's so different when you experience your own health journey because you can relate to other people a lot more, but you also believe in the process that much more as well. And, and the power of food to, to heal, but also to, that can like harm you and, and almost make you ill. So just the point that, you know, it's, it's very wholesome. It all connects. But for those listening, um, in terms of, let's say, symptoms that people experience that they don't realize are symptoms like bloating and um, just digestive upset or mm-hmm. acne or just other symptoms that their body is trying to communicate to them, any advice in terms of trying to listen to your body better and understanding if foods are your trigger or if there's other triggers mm-hmm. in your environment um, and just being more self-aware? Yeah. Um, so I think that's like a fine dance because we don't want to be overanalyzing everything because then that puts us in this like state of fear. Right. So I, I think that, um, that's why it's so important to work with a nutrition or health professional because 
you have to have an individualized approach to this. I can't make like a general statement because I think there's so much that goes into developing a protocol for somebody. Um, however, I, you know, if you also know your own body, right? So if there are certain foods that you eat and you don't feel good after, that's a sign your body's trying to tell you something. I just think that I know I used to get a little frustrated with my body because I wasn't sure what was going on. Right. So don't get frustrated. Just seek guidance and look for people that can help you understand it a little more because they've studied the science. They've studied the body. So I think that you have to be super compassionate with yourself because when your body is inflamed and it maybe having acne or, you know, having these symptoms, it's just your body's way of telling you like, we got to do something, but it's your body just communicating. And I try to emphasize that with everyone as well, that it's you, it's almost that you're, you should be grateful for the symptoms to an extent because your body's just trying to tell you something is off. Something's not in sync and you need to pay attention. So sometimes it's just like a little shake, like, Hey, listen to me, (laughs) you know, yeah, so consumed in, in everyday life. And and as you were saying, it's it's good to seek a professional because also sometimes, let's say it is a sensitivity to something, but what we do on our side is we help strengthen all those other bodily systems, like your, your gut and your digestive system and whatnot. And I know we both can relate on that, but some people, let's say if they take like a sensitivity test or they know that they don't respond well to something, they think that they have to keep it out permanently. Do you have any advice on that that is that typically do they have to keep it out for good? Or I know that people also take like the food sensitivity tests and they'll get a laundry list of things that they're sensitive Mm -hmm. to. And they think like, I cannot touch those foods anymore. So any tips on that? So, you know, I don't tend to move towards those tests initially. Um, I think that they, they can play a role if used appropriately and, um, they can offer guidance. But I also, I think that when we're seeking help from a food sensitivity test, it obviously means that we're not feeling good when we're eating. So I think, again, it takes a professional to analyze the diet. And before you cut out, you know, collards, because the the food sensitivity test told you not to eat them, maybe, maybe somebody's eating a ton of processed foods and their gut is kind of imbalanced. So they're moving into that test with in an inflamed state, if that makes sense. So first, it's kind of doing the work you can do with the diet by just analyzing the diet and thinking like, hmm, maybe we can shift this or shift that. And if you don't feel better, then possibly moving forward to that. But I think there are steps you can take prior to doing something like that. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. And and in terms of strengthening the gut, I know that we're both huge advocates for gut health. Is there anything that you would like to touch on in terms of gut health? I know that obviously in the marketing world, probiotics is extremely marketed these days, um, of course, with great benefits, but that's always a go-to. Everyone says, I need to take a probiotics and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So any anything that you'd like to touch on in terms of gut health? 
Yeah. So obviously we're going to gain the most benefit from our diet. We're going to gain the most benefit from eating a diverse diet of colorful fruits and vegetables of fiber because our diversity in our diet will reflect the diversity of the bacteria in our gut and that we don't know what a healthy gut looks like. There's no science that shows us that yet. However, um, a, di a diverse diet is going to benefit your gut health. In terms of probiotics, again, there's really not that much research that shows um, consistency in the results. I think that it's pretty interesting that we're starting to look at taking a more targeted approach and looking at certain strains and how they can impact certain conditions. But again, I'm always going to look towards the diet before I look towards anything that's going to come out of a bottle of some sort. So I think that um, if someone wants to take a probiotic, that's a discussion to have. And there's a way to kind of like move through that and choose the best one for them. But um, the general use of probiotics is a lot of, they're being used a lot, you know, and I am definitely would look more towards the diet first. Yes. And I always stress too that supplementation is used to supplement when the needs aren't met through diet. So for those listening as well, supplementation shouldn't be the first resource. It should always be through whole foods first because that's the most natural way to, to get those nutrients. And then we're moving into supplementation, but also when you're working with a professional to guide you through what your actual needs are, that's another story and another topic. So in terms of supplementation, what are your thoughts on that? I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think um, that obviously, of course, it's diet first. And I feel like we're really like honing in on that in this conversation. But I think that there's a time and place for supplements. For example, you know, I was vegan for five years, so I took a B12 supplement. I know that I wasn't going to get enough B12 from like my fortified almond milk, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I also take vitamin D because I got a, like my levels were low when I got them checked. And with that, they've been able to improve over time. So I think there's a time and place, you know, if you're looking to supplement a certain mineral or vitamin to correct a deficiency or become sufficient in something. Um, but I think we have to be a little more skeptic in our thinking when we purchase supplements, knowing that the supplementation industry is not regulated. So you essentially could be flushing your money down the toilet if you're going out and buying certain supplements that maybe A, your body doesn't really need, or they are touting weight loss or shiniest hair in the world or strongest nails or best skin, and there's really no research to back the claims. So I think um, the supplement industry, again, it's it's nice to have somebody to help guide you through that. If you trust the company and you're looking to purchase a certain supplement to help your body because you are unable to get enough from your diet, then that's one thing. But if you're going out and buying supplements um, without really taking into account why you might need it, or have you tried getting that from your diet, or is there another reason why you're seeking that, and is there a root problem to why you're seeking that, 
then I think it starts to get a little fishy. And that's the the work that we do on our side is to help them figure that out. Because I know someone will probably ask me, well, how do I know that or what I need? How do I know what I need? And of course, that's what we do. But just for the general person, how do they make that decision? So can you touch on yeah, that? Of course. So I think, um, you know, we do a lot of diet analysis. So it'll be like, okay, tell me what you eat, like food journals, 24-hour recalls. And through that, you can gain a good idea of what individuals may be missing from their diet. Um, so that's like one way. And with that, you can either like insert some stuff via food or again, if they're vegan or, um, you know, pregnant or something like that, they may need additional nutrients. So it's based on where they are in their life, first of all, what kinds of foods they're eating, um, why they're eating those foods. Can we insert more foods to bolster their nutrition? And if, you know, they wanted to go get a, some blood tests, then that could also be able to show us a, in addition to what kinds of deficiencies that they may have and where we could insert some um, either supplementation or again, just more foods of that. Yeah, I'm right on the same page there with you. And also in terms of cycling supplements, because you'll see some people might be on a supplement for many, many years. Can you just advise them on when they should be stopping something, whether it's, you know, I mean, you can elaborate, but to reference their blood panel or just based on how they feel, um, you can, you can elaborate. Yeah. Um, so I think it'll shift with your, with what you're eating. I started eating meat again, so I stopped taking B12, you know, I got my vitamin D levels back and they're a little higher, but they're not as high as I want them. So I'm keeping like, I'm continuing that. It, it just depends on your body is so dynamic and your needs are shifting daily. So it's a process. And I think that that's why we go and get, you know, checkups, right? We want to see where we're at. Um, so if your diet changes or, you know, you might need some extra nutrients if you're not feeling well, it, it, it really just, it shifts. So, um, I don't know, does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah. And I think that what we're kind of summing up in our conversation too, um, is just really going back to your diet. How are you eating? What are you eating? How often do you eat it? And being more self-aware. So it's coming from, you know, a dietitian and nutritionist here chatting, just so you guys can hear too, that it really goes back to, you know, your, your dietary habits and making sure that you're aware of what you're putting on your fork and into your mouth as well. And not just going to the, you know, the shelves of getting supplements to supplement that because you can get all your nutrients or at least most of your nutrients through your diet. So making sure that you're getting the right things on your plate. Any, any advice for creating a good and healthy plate or what I, what I call a perfect plate? Yeah, so I am a huge proponent of the Mediterranean diet. Um, that whole eating pattern is, I just find it to be super powerful, especially because it's really just touting a balanced diet. Um, I really don't believe in restricting anything. I think that if you're eating to feel good and you want to feel good, then you'll choose foods that make you feel good. Um, but when we move into a 
a space of deprivation and restriction that can lead to a lot of other things. Um, so when I'm looking at a plate, I like to see lots of colorful fruits and vegetables, whole grain, and having that animal protein be more of a sideshow than really the main course. The main course should be your vegetables and whole grains, um, and maybe even plant-based proteins like beans. Um, so or, or tofu or tempeh, something like that. So I think that we tend to make our animal proteins the main course and have everything else, you know, on the side, like a side dish, but it should be swapped. And with that, you'll get, you know, my favorite nutrient, a whole lot more fiber, um, all those beautiful phytochemicals and phytonutrients and vitamins and minerals from all of the plant foods. And, but you're not like leaving out that animal protein. I'm not telling you not to eat it, but maybe just enhance your plants and have that um, animal protein be more of like a side show, a side yeah, dish. Not the main attraction. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, and exactly. you see now like the standard American diet, it's just really goes towards increasing inflammation and chronic inflammation. And now we're starting to see, not even starting, but it's becoming more and more prominent. A lot of issues like arthritis and IBD and various autoimmune diseases and even visible, very visible signs of inflammation. So any advice for decreasing inflammation from lifestyle to diet? Yeah. And I think it just goes back to eating colorful fruits and vegetables. Honestly, they're like so powerful. Um, I think that it sometimes, I know for me, like it's really hard to eat like three meals a day that are all adequate. You know, like we're all very busy. I don't have time to come home and cook like this beautiful meal. So I tend to really focus heavy on my snacks. I'm like this, I love snacks. And I think throughout the day, if you're getting in those colorful fruits or vegetables or um, nuts and seeds, uh, you know, you can, at the end of the day, you're getting all of those great nutrients without putting so much pressure on those three meals having to be like perfect. So in terms of inflammation, obviously you can't ignore stress. Um, so I think having a big, like focusing on that too, not only just nutrition, but focusing on your stress levels and keeping yourself as your as best as possible out of that sympathetic state, which is that fight or flight and trying to ground yourself in more of a parasympathetic state, which is rest and digest. And whether that's taking a few breaths every two hours at work, you know, like setting an alarm clock or um, your drive to work is all about breathing and just focusing on driving, you know? So I think just focusing on nutrition and stress are just going to be two, like the perfect couple for um, managing that inflammation. That's awesome. I think that we touched and covered a lot in this episode. So I'm going to wrap up with you now, Tara. I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on today. And for those listening, I'm going to put all her information below so you guys can either reach out to her directly or learn more about her as well because she's amazing at what she does. And I love her. She's just great. Um, so thank you again, Tara. Is there any last words or anything else you wanted to say? No, um, it was so fun, though. Thanks for having me, Christina. I hope that 
you know, we maybe get some questions or some shout outs from this episode, but yeah, everyone can just follow me on Instagram um, and just ask me whatever. I'm always, I'm always ready for a convo. Awesome. All right. Thank you again, Tara. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.